All right, so finished. Late. We started late. So, we'll just take a few questions, if any. Who has the mic? A few questions, if any. Um, oh, yeah. It came to save the day. <laughs> yeah, so the question is, um, you've, you've mentioned that... Are people who are poor and the, all of the vulnerable in our society, are there not because they really deserve to be there, not by their own doing? I think you've also tried to say in some way that we who happen to be privileged are not here because we deserve it and not because of our own doing per se. Things have happened before we were born and long ago that put us here. So in our living and, and, and trying to do justice, how do we know how do we know what is how do we know what is ours, what is excess, what we how, how, do, how do we go about that wisely? You know, and not and not be too um, particular about our own self. And how do we, how do we rightfully do that in your day to day? Like, how we, how we just use all the resources that we've been blessed with? You know, how, how, do, how do we just, what is the wisdom that you can share? Yeah. Okay, uh, let me start by saying, let me, let me qualify what you said. So I didn't say that people um, are not called for why they're poor. I didn't say that. And that is all just not something. What I meant was, it's not only personal bad decision-making. But bad decision-making, personal bad decision-making is there. Right? So people, you know, um, some ladies ill-advisedly go and start sleeping with guys out of love that they shouldn't be sleeping with. Part of it is ignorance. And then they get babies, and then the guy runs away. And now they are, they are, they are with a baby they have to carry. They can't do certain kinds of work. That brings about poverty for them. Right? It, so... That was a personal bad decision. But that lady probably was also the birth, was also the product of an illegitimate relationship. Didn't have a father that was there to be able to stop that kind of, you know, to be able to guard her, to be able to send her to school so that she would not be ignorant in that kind of way, you know, all of those things. So it's not only the, the, the way she got to that personal bad decision was also because of a context of certain things that she couldn't control. So you understand what I mean? Now, some people say they'll give me an exception. And they'll say, well, how about I know somebody who was also in that situation that really, and I always say, yeah, exceptions never make rules, right? If you can show me that most times people who I just described, now, most of those kinds of people, by a large um, margin, usually make it good. And I'll say, OK, fine, maybe there's a case. Or maybe half-half, that you say there's a case. But most times, it's 90-something percent. People that are in those kinds of situations are unable to come out, all right? So let me just clear that. So there is, some pers there is no doubt, personal bad decision-making in that. Okay. Now, but how then, with, I would say, in your question, with our limited resources, 
and with a huge amount of cases of people who are plagued with injustice, how then do we live with our resources, right? How do we then show justice with our resources? Is that that question? How do we daily, daily live with our resources? I like that question too. What's your question? I would like an answer to that. So one. what's your question? Yeah. So my question is more like, um, I want to enjoy it. How do I balance it? Going to See, cinema my question. and then giving to the poor? So my, like, how do you define that? How do you define excess first? How do you define, man, I'm, I'm being selfish here. I'm living excessively. Yeah, look at all that is around me. This is excess. This this shoe is excess. This car is excess. If I'm gonna be simplistic, I'm just yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, this is excess. Man, someone should get this out. You know, someone should you know that kind of stuff. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah but, that, but I like your question too. No, nice. but the question that's that was the implication of the question. So it now comes down to, okay, fine. You wanted a more specific thing. How do we, how do we define excess? But I'm saying, that probably, it it comes into a larger question of how do I decide if I can spend on this? What should I give towards justice and all of that? Some kind of guidance. All right. There's none specifically. There really isn't. Um, teaching on justice and social justice, or what some people don't like to use social justice in Christian circles again, the first social action, is not what some people have termed the, a poverty gospel that you find a lot in certain sects of, the, of Roman Catholicism, right? When you take a vow, some people take a vow of poverty. That is the best way you can identify with the poor is to become poor yourself, right? You can't really say that you can understand them in Shangisha while you're living in Ikoi. So the best way is for you, sell all you have, give to the poor, and move into Shangisha, right? So this isn't what we're saying. Now, if, we, if you want me to, if you want to ask why that is wrong, you know, we can, we can speak about that. But pr primarily is that that doesn't help them. Essentially, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help them. By being, in fact, by reducing, by removing your platform, Right? You may help some people in the immediate, but then they will still need some more help later. So if you reduce and sell, not, and, so let them bring that, it was not Jesus that said, sell everything you have and, and give to the poor. Jesus was dealing with a salvation and an idolatry issue with that guy. Jesus never told anybody else to go and sell everything that they had and give to the poor, right? So that was a specific thing. So it's not a poverty gospel. In other words, what am I saying? When God gives us resources, the identity he places on us, number one, is that we are stewards. Stewards then mean that he's given us that his resources. They're not ours, but then he wants us to administer it in different ways. But the steward is also a partaker of what God gives. The steward is also a partaker of what it is. So, right, Paul can tell us that we should be able to take things in thanksgiving and to our pleasure and to our enjoyment. There is a part of it that comes to the person that is there. There's a part of it that comes to the person in terms of bettering themselves, developing themselves. There's a part of it that says, if we're saying that part of, the, part of the problems that a lot of people, children have, 
is that their parents were not there to be able to develop them and send them to good schools and all of that. Then we can't then say that when God gives us the resources that we have, we shouldn't do that, the same thing for our children because there are other people that, that's not a solution to those people's um, own issues. So in terms of us personally, there can't be a total guide, it can't, there can't be a total guide, if you earn this amount of money, then you should be giving this. But I do think that individually we should, so if we think about what we're saying with justice and how we deal with our money, we should probably be much more intentional. Take your money, right? Please pay your taxes, right? So don't ever think of your money before tax. Just don't. It's not helpful, right? Don't think of your money before tax. Think of what you earn after tax, right? Take your money before tax, after tax. You have your pension, um, your pension that is being deducted for that time. Then the, you're going to think of, obviously, what do you, how do you run your house, how you, you know, the, again, if you can stay, if, if developing yourself and doing all those things means you can stay in a three-bedroom house, don't go and get a one-bedroom house. It's just going to cause problems for you, right? Have a study, if you're one like you, have a study and have somewhere to lay your head, right? Do those things. But the fact that you could, with your income, then get a four-bedroom house doesn't mean you should get a four-bedroom house. That would then be excess because there isn't any justifiable reason beyond not just what is needed, but what is comfortable for you. There is no justifiable reason for you to get, to, to get a four-bedroom house. You understand? So you think about that. You think about what you give to church. You think about how you bless the wider Christian society. But you also have to be actively thinking about what you give to the poor. Obviously, you have to save. If you can't, try to put some money away for investment. So there's no, I did this one first. I did this one second. I did this third. You should be able to say, if I have done what we should be um, what, we, what runs the house and maybe I give to the church and um, I'm able to do investment, I'm able to do savings, but after that, I'm sorry, there's no money for the poor, then you're either saving or investing too much. Now, there are some of us here that actually, based on our income, there's even no saving. So I'm not talking about that. Right? But I'm, say, I'm saying, if you're if you getting to that point where you have enough money to save and to invest. And then you say, because we have said that we have to save and invest this percentage, there is no more percentage to give to anything that is poor. Uh, to any of these, uh, then we're probably, we are then doing too much. And that could also feed into what then you were saying about running the house. Like, no, you don't understand. I just bought this shirt that is brown. And we all know that brown, jeans goes be uh, brown shirts go best with green jeans. Now, I, yeah, I know I have six colors of jeans. I know that. But I have three that are purple, two that are black, and one that is gray. What's going to go with this, with this brown shirt? So the reason you couldn't do that was because the reason you couldn't give to the poor was <laughs> you are trying to do so much. You, you understand? But I don't want that to then stop someone from saying, I have two pairs of trousers. I know that guy who is dead poor has one pair, right? But I work. And I have to be presentable. So this month, I'm buying me four pairs of trousers so that I can be presentable. 
I don't want that person to start feeling guilty that he didn't give to you, but you see what I'm saying. So there has to be some, I, I, I can't give a hard and fast rule on it, but I would say that to a large extent, we all should be thinking, most of us should be thinking, if there is no dedicated amount of money, some kind of dedicated, even if for some of us, even if it's 2,000 a month, we keep giving. Hey, that, that 24,000 the whole year, it may eventually turn to 24,000 a That's a lot. Apart from, there's a beggar here, I had spare change from transport, 15 naira take. Right? You know? So, sorry for not being able to answer your question. To the brown shirt. <laughs> gray and brown are not too bad. Right, wear it with the gray, with the gray pair of jeans. Uh, or you can be just with it, exactly. Can okay, my question is, how do you define the poor? Mm. Um, do you then, do you take care of those inside before you take care of those outside? So th that's my question, but then, um, you know, my question has A, B, C. Um, for instance, you have an extended family member, or sometimes it's a parent or who needs money. Then I, because uh, my psyche, I'm thinking I have the poor, I have to give to the poor. I don't give to them, then I go and give to an orphanage. Or in my church, there's someone's kufis who... Oh, there's someone who I can help with the person's school fees, but then uh, in my gospel community, we need to contribute to this um, orphanage. So how do I, uh, how do we define the poor, and then which poor comes comes first? Okay. The one closer to home, or the one outside of home? Yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes give her back. That sometimes the one closer to home sometimes is not defined as the poor because we have an idea that the poor is the one begging outside. And I've also seen that okay, practically sometimes there are people closer who need something, and uh, everything is always to an extent taken out to people who, are, who seem to be out there. Okay. okay. Um. You have, a, you have an answer. Oh, question. Oh. She, she, wants to say, she wants to give me time to think about it by asking me a question. Okay, so my question is, there are some times when in um, trying to do justice, you find out that um, it is enforcement that is the form of justice that you should do. So, and then in enforcement, it makes you maybe enter some form of activism. In, in that regard. So I, I, I want to ask, because some, when you now bring enforcement into it, it now begins to look to some people like injustice. So how, when, you, when you struggle with that kind of balance, how do you now eventually find, like the example that you gave, how do, so I can't, for example, close my eyes and say, these people that import children from outside Lagos, I try to see as, uh, how, how much I can do some engagements with them, but if it doesn't work, I can report them and all. So it's going to cause a lot of ripple effects. Oh, and then they will say, oh, you have taken away their own means of livelihood and all those things. Mm. So in that regard, how, how, 
how do you now ensure that oh, what I'm doing is just? Is it now just to this party, and I'm now being unjust to this other party? Do you think it is? Sorry? Do you think it is? Of well, of course, to me, no, it's not. So, so if someone, how, how, tell me how someone can make a case. So they're they speaking to you. So I'll tell me how someone can make a case that. No, I don't have. Okay, fine. What I was doing was bad. It's slavery. I'm dehumanizing people and, you know, getting them to work and in a way that is just inhumane. And okay, fine, I get it. But that's my source of income. Now you're taking away my source of income. Can't you see that you're unjust to me? Tell me how that person can make a case for that. Yeah. So um, it's it like you like you said. It sounds very easy. But lots of these people, when you hear their stories, it also sounds compelling. Yes, Almost that's why, like that's, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm give me give me something. That's why I want to make yeah. So okay, I should give you an example. Yeah, give me. Okay, so a lot of times they themselves will tell you that oh, maybe he was working before. This is this is not the only child that helps him. These children are just helping him to also ensure that he keeps his family. Then I heard the story of a, a man. He said his wife is sick, so he needs the money to also support her. And all those kind of all those kind of interwoven stories. So in that regard, you are almost like I know that the means is bad, but if these children don't work to earn money for him, so he's invariably telling you that oh, his wife that is sick may die, yeah. and all those things. So I so in that regard, you can almost say I want to take the child away from you. I don't want you to face the wrath of the law. Or, I don't want to take the child away from you. I want to educate this child. But, it could, but it could mean that the person's wife... He dies. can't die and... Yeah. Okay, I see. Now, that's... Um, I can see the point there. I have absolutely no sympathy with it. Absolutely no sympathy. And by that, I'm saying, so, okay, I, your wife may die. And that's a horrible thing. You must love your wife. So do we have to take the life of an infant for your own wife to, to live? Right? That is, in other words, it's not just, it's not like I was taking someone's, um, I was destroying someone's, like we see sometimes the government does. We destroy someone's porter cabin because the government has said people should not sell on this area, in this area, right? Just somebody who is hawking their plantain, you just smash everything. A woman who is carrying her pure water and drinks, just smash everything. Why? Because the government has put a law that no hawking in this area, right? What we are doing is that the plantain is a human being that is an infant. So what he is saying is, for me to be able to have my wife live, try and understand. I know I'm dehumanizing somebody else. I know I'm destroying somebody else, but can't you see my wife? That's essentially what the person is saying. We can empathize with that person and his wife and see if there was anything that we could do to it. But there are just some things that are not alternatives. There are just some alternatives that can never be on the table. Like I often tell people, I say, look, if you say that you're barren, you don't have a child, right? You're barren, you know. If someone says, hey, I know, I know somewhere, if we go to one babalao like this that I know in the tree, you just have to spend one night under one particular tree, naked, and you mustn't move. And they said that what happens is that you enter that tree, the tree would actually suck you and bring you out back, but you have a child. And then you now hear that story. You now say, 
Yeah, I know it sounds a bit bad, but you see she's been barren. We don't. That person is not going to agree. We don't. So there are some alternatives that are not on the table. Slavery is never an alternative, no matter what. So that's, there's nothing to understand there. We can engage them. We should engage them. We should try to educate. But eventually, we do have to, you do want to say something? We, we do have to, tell me I'm coming to your question. We do eventually have to be able to say that is wrong by the law. Not, that has to come, the weight of the law has to come down on that, where we, where we can. I think so. So, I think you should maybe say something more about activism as well, because okay. there's, you, you can actually separate the condemnation of the act of these people that are going into slavery from insisting that somebody gets arrested, for instance. It does, it's not all the time that insisting, um, um, let me, for instance, let me say rescuing somebody that, that is under that person's um, bondage is the same thing as having that person arrested. So maybe, I think there's also another, my point is there's another question there about how we go about activism. And if there is any room for showing mercy. I too, by the way, I don't like justice. Um, I have a problem with the word social justice. I'm more comfortable with biblical justice or social action, like you said, for other reasons. But my point is, there's more, there is, there is room for showing mercy, even in trying to be, even in the, in, in the guise of, sh of showing activism, if you get what I mean. And maybe you want to say one or two things about that. Yeah. So actually, I thought the weight of the law, sorry, I didn't think the weight of the law was arrested. So I wasn't thinking. I thought the weight of the law was basically delivering, that is using the authority to be able to deliver and break that. Um, sorry, I didn't think of the implication that could be that. That could then mean that person is arrested. I think that's a bit complex, you know. Um, you know, to what extent, you know, if, if, if somebody who has been, you know, who has suffered a very hard life eventually comes in, becomes an, an armed robber and kills someone, whilst I want to say we should understand the conditions that produces armed robbers in certain parts of our city because they've been disenfranchised, zoned off, not given electricity, all of those kind of things, poor education, poor sanitation. At the same time, I still have to say that that person has to be punished. So on the one hand, that person has to face the law. But on the other hand, we have to really think about how we turn things around in these hotbeds because there is an injustice, a social injustice that's been done to produce those kinds of things. So I don't know whether I want to say that people that, if they are told, if they are shown the reason, this is why this thing is not right by God. But also, this is why this thing is not right by the law and they perpetuate that, continuing that, then whilst I feel bad that, hey, yeah, this is a poor person now suffering in prison, I'll say, well, the person had his chances, and that person should face that. So that's all. Kemi, um, again, so I kind of try to make a biblical case. When we, can't, when we get into the practical realities, which is all of these questions are practical questions, it always gets a bit messy. It just, it just does. There's hardly any, and I like what someone said um, in a discussion that I was reading about who are the poor, basically. Eventually, she, she said, doing stuff for the poor is more important than actually defining who the poor is, even though defining who the poor is important. So she wasn't saying it's not important. It's just that for some people, they can get too academic with this thing, 
and say no, it's not this, it's not that. Okay, okay, okay. If we don't, if we don't agree with our definition, we shall both agree that there's poor, right? Shall do something for the poor, right? So there's a part of me that wants to say that. Just do something. But there's another part that says, no, there's a genuine thing as to what is my responsibility towards not just those who I am immediately close to. I do think there is a, there's an argument of proximity and um, preferential treatment for those closer to you. I do think that. I don't think it's an absolute. So that's where I think sometimes people make mistakes. Your own first. And then they make your own first to mean your own only. Right? And so it could be your own first in terms of regularity and the amount, but not your own only. So for instance, when we say those that are outside, well, which outside? Outside my family, outside my city, outside my country, outside my region, outside my continent. You understand? So that even that in itself, in, on one hand, all human beings are linked somehow together. You right? People who are burning um, fuel in the West and all of that, it's affecting people, Eskimos that are living in Greenland. We're all somehow connected together. On the other hand, and so because of that, we have responsibility to one another. On the other hand, we have limited resources. And so how you start to think in those terms become whatever. But you should not try to think in a way that is still too close-minded. So I do think, for instance, one of the ways that helps is if you've identified an orphanage that I want to have some responsibility towards this orphanage, all you need to do is after you, you've divided your money and you, you, know, you have a kind of regular giving. So I give regularly to church this. Maybe there are two people in the church I give regularly to, maybe because they're in school, blah, blah. And maybe there's one missionary I give to. And then there's an orphanage I give to, right? Maybe that forms about 10 to 12 or 15% of your income. So there's 15% of our income that we regularly give to. You see, in that way, when your mom asks for something that she asks maybe twice in a year, or when we are in your gospel community, you are donating to someone's particular thing that we are, we are that doesn't touch your 15%. Your 15% is set. It's actually out of. It now becomes out of your, you know, Paul said, we should be ready to give on every occasion. So there is the 15% that we always give. But then maybe there's this rainy day 5% that is there that we always have just to be able to give. The money for beggars is not a regular beggar you give to. So the 50 naira here, the 200 naira, it's just a spontaneous thing. So if we then want to give towards this particular person, it could just be, ah, Okay, they need 20,000. I only have eight. Okay, but if I bring my eight, if it's my mom, and maybe I can talk to my other brother there, maybe he too can bring eight, and we can make, you know, we then start getting creative as to how we can do that. So that's one way I would go about it. That is, you can still meet the needs of others. You can still divide that by being intentional. It could be that 1% of your income or 2% of your income goes to the orphanage. 12% goes to your church, so you're kind of doing the proximate thing. 4% or 5% goes to family. There are all of those things. It forms a 15%. But then there's also the regular, the spontaneous thing that you can give here and there. 
So I don't know if that helps. Ah, yeah, um, no, I think, is it a short, short question? Okay. Very common. Uh, for instance, going on the road and probably at the bus stop, someone comes to you, oh, God, I need transportation. And you've eventually, probably you are very used to that environment. Yeah. You eventually see the same person almost every day. Yeah. And from stories and all that, you know that so these regular beggars, they seem to have a lot of money at the end of the day. So then how do we, where do we put them? Do we put them as poor or where do we put so them? Me, because uh, it's yeah. as if they're perpetual. It's a, it's a, it's a, let me first say, there's a myth about these beggars that are actually millionaires, but that at night, are, are, uh, in the daytime, they wear their rags, they bring up the whatever, but at night, you see them at parties. Now, maybe some people have seen one or two beggars. I'm not saying that never happened. But it's a typical, when people don't want to do certain things, they throw up something that is such an outlier, something that's such an exception, because, I'm not saying you, but because of someone else's grace, say, hey, I know, just like that other one. Or somebody says, don't give Coca-Cola again. Why? Because I found concrete in one Coca-Cola bottle. Okay. Do you know how many bottles of Coca-Cola are coming out every day? So now, you see a concrete in one Coca-Cola bottle, one, one. And then all of a sudden now, nobody should drink Coca-Cola again. It's kind of that. Most people, most anybody that is truly making money like that will not go out there. That's one. But two, do we have these people that actually go around buses, different places? I remember one guy when I was in Manchester. The guy spoke, he said he was from Canada. He spoke with a particular accent, talking about how he missed his, he had to get a flight to Canada in London. He was here. He, got, he kind of got in Manchester. He came for something, then misplaced his money, his identity, all of that. And he needed just money to get to the, uh, to take him from a train from Manchester to London so that he'll be able to get the thing that he can get and then he can fly back to Canada. Well spoken, correct guy. I was in a tram. I think I gave the guy one or two pounds. I saw him five months later. I remember seeing him like, I've seen his face, I've seen his face. The guy just started speaking, hi, my name is, I, I, no, no, I, no. I'm not going to any Canada. So, and I saw the guy over the next two, three years. I saw him. Eventually, I saw, I think I even saw, he has issue with drugs. Now, most people, here's their reaction. Guy has issue with drugs. Serves him right. Serves him right. He has issues with drugs. First, quit the drugs. When you quit the drugs, then we'll be able to get him out. Because quitting drugs is very, very easy. No, that's, but that's the way most of the time we think. So what happens is this. A lot of us Christians, we are very, very good on the personal, personal, um, personal morality thing, which is why I was to push Francis on the social justice thing. I think the social justice thing gets a bad rap because sometimes, historically, some people have, you know, have, there are certain non-Christian elements that have hijacked it, and sometimes it can become something. But the problem, why I never want to get rid of it, right, because of the word justice, which is different from mercy in the Bible, but also the social element. What it's saying is this. Especially when you read the prophets in the Old Testament. The prophets, on the one hand, will tell people, you are terrible for sleeping with another man's wife, personal thing. And then you didn't show, just, you didn't do justice for the poor. There. It never, 
Israel went into exile because they were following idol, they were following idols, and because they treated the poor and the vulnerable in terrible conditions. They, they put them in terrible conditions. It lumps them together. So what happens is, hey, I never did drugs. Drugs are bad. They told you that in school. So if you did drugs, these are the consequences of your actions. So live with it, and then come out of it. Yes, people can actually do what is wrong, but you can do what is wrong, and then what is wrong actually brings you into a condition of terrible whatever that now you can't come out. Are we as Christians going to then say, well, you did that. Good for you. Now, get yourself, save yourself, right? When you save yourself, then God will accept you. That is, that is salvation by works. This person has been, is now an addict. And the only way you can help, and the only way an addict can come out of addiction is by help, not by himself. Help from the outside. Now, I'm not saying that I helped that guy come out. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying whenever we think about those, even those kinds of people, we have to think about them with compassion. Maybe you individually can do something. Maybe you are called to set up an NGO. Maybe you are called to give to an NGO that helps with drug addicts. All I'm saying is that let us be very careful not to then take our own personal morality because we've done well by it and we've done good and quickly look down on these people and condemn them. Now, if you get involved with some of these people, you find that it's even very difficult. You try everything you do. They go one step forward, two steps backwards. It's never easy. Just like, guess what? The journey as God is trying to sanctify you to make you more like Jesus Christ. How are you doing with that? God, I'll never do that again. I will never do it again. This is your 28th time in two years of doing it. And God doesn't reject you. And that's why we must always think about these things through a gospel lens. Not just through a, don't do it, and then do it. I hope you understand. All right? So, Ni, I don't know whether I answered the question. I kind of went off. Well, I'm only saying that those people that are regular, we know that these people, of course, probably... Yeah, so you don't always have to give. Yes, I agree, you don't always have to give. But what I'm saying is that those people probably need... So, yes, you may not give them in just... If you are giving, okay, so that this person can have lunch today. But as Emmanuel mentioned on, 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 on Sunday, there are three different levels through which you help. You can help someone with relief, right? So if you see somebody dying, if you just see, like, there was one girl, if you're passing this place, a third roundabout, her body just so deformed. There's no way, that girl's not going to get a job. Nobody's going to, so I may just say, man, this girl's not going to eat, take. That's relief. Now, if you see somebody that consistently keeps coming to a particular place, well-abled, you may decide, okay, you're not really dying and... They're telling the same stories. You need better help. So I may withhold relief from you. And maybe you're not in a place to do the next level, which is development, right? Development is what Ibukun is trying to do. All right? So you can decide, I'm giving relief here. I'm not giving relief to this person. And then the third one is reform, which is the next level that Ibukun was talking about in terms of enforcement, but also writing laws. So you may only be able to do level one. And you may decide at level one, in interacting with this person, this person, maybe this other person deserves it more than this person because that person is really down. So you can decide to withhold it. I don't think you always have to withhold. You understand? So there's no. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>